0: Good morning, church. Good morning. morning. Yeah, um, that'll hit you, right? (laughs) The fact that we don't deserve it, but yet he still pursues us, right? He's still pursuing us as a believer in Jesus Christ. He's pursuing you every day. Sanctifying your life and uh, pruning away, <laughs> if you will, as what the word says, pruning away so that we can produce more healthy, good spiritual fruit. Amen. Amen. Um, I just wanted to to share real quick. Um, I'm, I won't read the note, but I have the note here uh, a couple weeks back, maybe a month ago back, kind of when um, everything popped off with uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, the leadership, we have prayed about it, and we gave uh, a, a, a love offering to uh, Samaritan's Purse to help out with that. And uh, Franklin Graham uh, sent back a little little thank you card. So if you're interested in reading that, it kind of just details the things that they're doing there on the ground floor, trying to help people out and get people out of there and as well spread the message of the gospel so people can know Jesus, uh, you know, in any event on both sides uh, with Russia and Ukraine. So I have that note here. In case you're interested after service, you can check it out. Um. Yeah, it is Palm Sunday. That's great. Right. Uh, it's it, it, was, it was a time where, uh, you know, Jesus was going through a lot. Right. Um, he's going through a whole lot and and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and how all the people, they laid down the palm branches and what those palm branches represented in him, um, you know, riding on uh, a donkey's colt and how they they yelled out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then just a few days later, these same people would yell, crucify him. It kind of shows us how fickle we can be as, as people, right? We can, uh, the, the word talks about that. Blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. And yet so many times, <coughs> even us, we find ourselves doing things we ought not be doing. Um, as I prayed about it. The word of God all ties in together. We all believe that, right? We all understand that the scripture supports itself and you can see it and how it all weaves itself together and Jesus Christ is the center of the word of God. So with that, um, it is Palm Sunday uh, and we're going to take, I guess, what you would call a non-traditional route. I don't know. The Holy Spirit didn't put on my heart to preach about the triumphal entry, uh, we're going to continue in Revelation. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 10. We'll be going through verses 1 through 11. The beautiful thing is, I truly believe as we go through this portion of Scripture, you're going to see exactly how it ties in to the triumphal entry and Jesus' heart in the matter for people. Not only uh, the people of Israel, but all people that he created. Amen. So when you get there, if you can and you're able body to, please stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, once again, we'll be in Revelation chapter 10. Verses 1 down through 11, and I've entitled this message, The Angel and the Little Scroll. Well oh, I shouldn't say I've entitled it. The Word of God has entitled it, The Angel and the Little Scroll. All right. It says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and, and what is in it, and that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. Just as he announced to his servants, the prophets, then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but your mouth. It will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you once again just to praise your name. Thank you for being our mighty fortress, our strong tower, the one that we can run to. It's all through the work of your son, Jesus Christ, the fact that he laid his life down willingly and took it back up. Father, we pray now that you would anoint us, Lord, with discernment, with understanding of your word, help us to rightly divide your scripture. Will you show us how this applies to our lives today, how this is pertinent that we understand what your word is speaking to about Repentance and about time being short and that we must keep short accounts with you, Lord. And, and, and the, 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 heavy, uh, the heavy responsibility we have as believers to uh, be a faithful witness. Lord, there are many that need you. There are many that you're calling. And so, Father, today, would you uh, empower us, Lord, to leave this building knowing you more and knowing clearly what the call on our lives is as followers of your son so again we just thank you and we love you we pray this all in jesus Christ's precious name amen all right you may be seated so the last however long we've been in the book of revelation again we know when we start off the book it's a great blessing to those who study it who have the reality and the truth of, 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 of God's kind of end-all result of this world as, as this world wraps itself up and, and he calls his church home. And uh, it's been pretty wild. It's been, it's been uh, extremely intense. And, and I know that uh, I was talking to the men about this uh, earlier this week. You know, the warfare I've been experiencing, it's definitely gotten heightened in the last several weeks. You know, we, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, everything in the Word of God is, has a spiritual nature to it. And, and, and we know that spiritual things manifest themselves in the physical. And I'm not going to go and say that there's a demon of, under every rock. You know, I'm not superstitious. We're not. We, we don't we don't make a show of these things. But as you get deeper and deeper into unearthing these truths, Uh, you know, I've been experiencing that. We've been experiencing that in in, in my own uh, home. And uh, the beautiful thing is, you know, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have authority and power in the name of Jesus Christ to be freed from any kind of oppression. You actually, I actually have the ability through the power of Jesus Christ to bind unclean spirits and i'll just mention this this is a side note because i think a a large part of christianity nowadays we take such a passive role when it comes to dealing with situations i'll give a a quick example you know many of you know i work in a special needs uh private school and you know we have this one individual and and it's almost like in some way kind of like the the demoniac now he's not running around cutting himself but he runs around naked and he runs around naked and he's, 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 he's going on top of uh, the, the, the playground structure and he's peeing all over the slides. And, you know, you look at this and and as a believer, I'm like, there's something else going on here. I, I, I do not chalk it up to this person. This young person has autism and that's the reason why they're acting out like that. They are being either possessed by an unclean spirit or if they are a believer or if the Lord is having favor. We know that people with special needs, they haven't reached the age of accountability. So they're kind of they're set apart. And so maybe this person is being tormented by a demonic spirit. But I look and I see, you know, and, 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 and my works, since it's a secular uh, institution, they're using all of these strategies that are just of the secular world. When it's like someone needs to go over there and lay hands on that young man and bind whatever unclean spirit is causing that man hardship. But uh, I I share that because the spiritual component of our lives as Christians is very real. And we will see these things and the deeper and deeper we get into the book of Revelation, especially uh, as someone called to to study it, preach and teach it. You know what they say? The chef eats best. Well, I also get a <laughs> first eye glimpse of, of, of things going on. But you and I have the ability and the power. We don't have to submit. We don't have to be scared of these unclean spirits. The Bible is clear that there there is a spirit called fear. Right. And we know perfect love casts out all fear. Who's perfect love is Jesus Christ. And so we need to understand these things when we're dealing with anxiety. You know, when when you're anxious about something, it's usually something in the future. And what does Jesus say? Tomorrow has its own issues. Don't let yourself be overtaken by what could possibly happen in the near future. But trust in him today. Cast your cares upon him. Take his yoke upon you so that you may be able to stand the wiles of the enemy. Amen. All right. So last week we covered how the sixth angel blew his trumpet and the blowing of that trumpet released a demonic army upon the earth that numbered 200 million. Now, again, that's something that is just hard to fathom. Even China's army, as big as they are, doesn't even amount to this. And so we know that the scriptures are speaking of a spiritual foe, a spiritual nemesis. It's not necessarily people in human form, but a demonic host. This demonic army was given power to kill one third of mankind. And while only one third of humanity will be destroyed from this terrible judgment, there were still many upon this earth that would not repent. Remember, the the scripture talked about how they continued to worship demons and every kind of false teaching. They wouldn't budge. They They weren't pricked in their heart seeing their brothers and sisters die from this demonic attack. They remained in their lawless lifestyle only to bring everlasting judgment upon themselves. And meanwhile, while all this is still taking place at this time in our text, there are still converted believers, followers of Jesus Christ upon the earth. Remember, those who were killed were those who did not have the seal of God resting upon their foreheads. They were without the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that whole uh, background, that leads us to where, where we're coming into today, into Revelation chapter 10. Revelation chapter 10 serves as an interlude, if you will, or a break between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. The seals and the bowls uh, also have a brief break between their sixth and seventh judgments. Now, the whole point in this is God's intention is to encourage and to comfort his people in the midst of the fury and to remind them that he is still sovereign that He is in full control despite all of this uh, wild activity that we see going on in the earth at this time. That He remembers His people and that He will ultimately be victorious. You see, today someone needs to hear that. Despite your circumstances, Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Despite your circumstances. You know, we know as Christians... Jesus was clear that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You see, we don't get out, we don't get a, a get out of hard times past because we give our lives to Jesus Christ. You're going to experience difficulty in this life. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see there's all kind of wild stuff going on. It seems as though days are shorter and days are crazier. Um, Home Depot on, on um, Blossom Hill Road just went up in flames. Uh Maria was telling me about there was a shooting right by her house at a homeless encampment um you know this morning my coworker this week was talking about uh, her her daughter goes to Yerba Buena High School they were supposed to have a a parent uh, parent teacher like dinner kind of thing and that got canceled because somebody either got shot or stabbed there two people got killed there earlier this week and this is just in our little sector here San Jose and this is going on all over you know America, And then you have all the up evil going on uh, with Ukraine and Russia and all those things. And, you know, so we see <laughs> we're on that prophetic timeline and, uh, you know, things are going on. I know that there's always been wild stuff going on, but it seems as if it's just compounding itself more and more in our present day and age. And so it's no better time to know the Lord than now. Amen. All right. We have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. God Almighty is the one who owns the earth and all that is in it. We see in this chapter something described as a small scroll or book given to the Apostle John. This small scroll could be likened to a title deed, if you will, of some sorts. The fact that it comes from heaven through this mighty angel to John reveals to us once again that it is God Almighty who is in Full control, not Satan, not his fallen cronies or fallen demons, and not the judgments or consequences of them. You see, because it, it, it's 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 very it's a slippery slope when you go through the Book of Revelation, and sometimes people tend to they t- they tend to they they just they just make a show of things, and it becomes sen- sen- sensationalized, if you will. And they focus so much on, oh, this is that. And and it's like, yeah, those those are things that are very horrific that are going to happen. But that's not the end all be all of the book. (laughs) The book is trying to reveal to us the grace and the mercy and the deep, long suffering love that Jesus Christ has for his creation. And for those who choose to willingly say, I rebel and I will not Receive the gift of salvation that you're offering me. Then that's why these harsh judgments, which are righteous and just in and of themselves, are administered. But none of those things are the main point. The main point is about Jesus Christ. And in this, we see that God is in full control. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 tells us, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. You see, it is the Lord's earth to save, and it is also the Lord's earth to destroy. Remember, it was Yahweh who determined that the earth would be cleansed because of the people's continued wickedness. Satan never has a say in the matter. It is God Almighty's choice alone. And I'm sure that irks the enemy because he wants to be greater than God. That's the whole point why he became fallen because of pride. He was not content in his pecking order, in his place, in God's plan. And that's a great lesson for us today. We need to learn to be content in where the Lord has us. You know, it's not this, well, one day... When I get X, Y, and Z, oh, I'll serve the Lord with fervor and, and my whole heart. No. Hey, man, if you're a spit shoe shiner, you better be the best spit shoe shiner you can be and do it unto the Lord. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you better be the best stay-at-home mom that you can be and do it unto the Lord or else you're going to lose your mind. <laughs> you're going to lose your mind with them kids. You know, uh, If you're a custodian, you better be the best custodian you could be. If you're a whatever, if you're an engineer, You know, and you're creating all this great stuff with technology. Be the best engineer you can to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. But this verse, uh, again, going back to it is the Lord's prerogative, what he chooses to do. And when he chooses to administer judgment, Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 tells us, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Man, And this is way, way back then. God's talking about, I'm looking at my creation. I'm looking at the world I created. And what do I see? I just see wickedness. I see the earth is filled with violence. Oh, how that must just break his heart. How it must break his heart nowadays. You fast forward to where we're at now. It's like, man, you guys haven't learned yet still you do all this and you still have humanity choking itself out it's such a sad situation you see though satan and his allies are given permission that's a key word permission to attack and torment people in the great tribulation they are never in control They are simply used to carry out the punishment, which is a consequence for the rejection of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in people's lives. And that's what we see here uh, once again. All right. The second main point is this. Only God knows all things. And some things are meant not to be known. This is very important to point out because God had revealed something to the apostle John, yet John was specifically told not to write down what was revealed to him. You see, for us today, we cannot claim to know all things in regards to the end times and Jesus' return. And, and, you know, it's it's just, it's a trip. People will be like, I'm a modern day prophet. I just read something not too long ago. And for a second, it was tweaking with my mind. And this person said, such and such uh, I don't know what they said, but they said something, uh, June, June 21st, 2023, the world's ending. I already, that's right then, man, that's from Satan. That's from the pit of hell. Who are you to say that you're, you're some new prophet and you're going through the book of Revelation and all of a sudden you know the date and the time? Matthew chapter 24 verse 36 tells us, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, capital S, so you know that's talking about Jesus Christ, but the Father only. You see, that's why, saints, we need to understand and know the Word. The Word has to be hidden in us. Because if it's not, we're going to go on the internet, (laughs) and we're going to look up something, and then we're gonna get moved and our whole lives are gonna be shaken. We're gonna be rattled. We're gonna be all stressed out. You're gonna be wondering, Did I did I miss? Did I not get raptured? Where my I? I told y'all this story about my wife being downstairs one night and Kalos being in the corner of his bed in his room. I said, Man, did you come back, Lord? Oh. But you know, we, we got we gotta be like the Bereans. We gotta be well versed in the word. And I always will tell you this: whatever comes from this pulpit, you better double. Triple check it if you need to, whatever you got to do. Write the, the Bible references down if, you, if you, know, you don't have the word with you for some reason or if our, our screen's down. But you, know, you need to seek this stuff out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. You, know? you need to know it for yourself. I need to know it for myself. And this whole idea of nobody knowing the time or the hour of the day but God the Father, the first person of the Trinity. This is for good reason. Just imagine if we knew, some of us, right? If some of us, if we knew the day, the time, and the hour of the Lord's return, some would just simply wait until the very end to get their act together and do what needs to be done. Ra- you know, right? Rather, we don't know the day or hour. To prompt us as believers to live out each day and every day with the great expectation of Jesus Christ's return. Matthew chapter 24 verses 42 down through 44. It's a great explanation about this. And it says, therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Right? That means, so, every breath I take, I need to have the right perspective and be like, man, Lord, this is a blessing. (laughs) You're letting me live right now. I have breath in my lungs. My mind is cognizant of what's going on. My organs are working. All of the, the faculties I need to function and live in this fleshly suit are, are, are suiting me well. So I need to take advantage of that. I heard a great message this week and, and the pastor talked about everybody has the same amount of time. Everyone has the same amount of time. We're If you woke up this morning, we all have 24 hours to live, to breathe, to do what we got to do. And the Lord would never... Uh, give you a calling or an anointing upon your life and not give you the time to live out that anointing and that calling. So the question is, what are we doing with our time? Because we are, I am going to be held accountable when we go before the Lord and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And that's the whole idea of the parable of the talons. It wasn't about the money. It's about Jesus. What are you and I doing with Jesus Christ that he's given us? Are we being a faithful witness? Now, not everyone's called to be like a Billy Graham and pack stadiums by the power of the Holy Spirit. But maybe, just maybe, you're called to be a great influence in your home of three. Mm-hmm. How are you doing with that? Are you opening your mouth? Are you living out your life in such a way that they may see he's changed? She's changed. They've radically been become new people. And if Jesus Christ can do that for them, then maybe he can do it for me. You see, we have to take this seriously because we don't know when he's gonna come. An example of this, you know, you guys know I'm a sports guy. Maybe Scott, maybe you heard of it, maybe you didn't. Maybe maybe Lou, maybe you heard of it, maybe you didn't. I wasn't I I didn't follow this, this player a lot. He was a youngster, his name is Dwayne Haskins. He started off with the, which was the Washington Redskins, I guess, what are they, the Commanders now? What a horrible name, my goodness. I mean, you know. I, I mean, it's just everybody's everybody's hurt now, you know? It's like, I get it, but it's like, I mean, are, are they really tripping off the Redskins? And I don't know, I know, that's a whole other can of worms. I don't want to get into it, but, I mean, I like that name. You know, I thought it was okay, but, I mean, I don't know. People are like, it's racist. It's, I mean, I don't know. But anyways, in any event, this young man, Dwayne Haskins, he went to, he went to school at Ohio State. Uh, he got drafted by the Washington Redskins. He played there for several years. Got in a little bit of trouble, and he got, uh, she got shipped away. And uh, he was playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers as a backup. Uh, but he was a young man. He was killed yesterday. Uh, he was killed by a dump truck. He got hit by a dump truck on a freeway in south, somewhere, south Beach, Florida, something like that. I don't know all the details, but that's just crazy. You know, Whether or not it was a freak accident, the fact is, it said, rest in peace. Some of the stuff I saw on Bleach Report, it said 1997 to 2022. I graduated high school in 1996. So to me, I'm like, wow, Lord, you know, this man died, young man died at the age of 24. I'm 43 years old with all the checkered past that I have. And the Lord is still allowing me to live. I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. Right. And so, again, we have to be mindful, mindful of the time that the Lord has given. Because it could be our last breath that we're taking. Amen. Amen. All right. The third main point is this repent while there still is time like we talked about last week it is the Lord who is holding this world together he is restraining the influence of evil in the world though it seems like he's he's slowly peeling back his hand of provision and he's letting a lawlessness and recklessness starting to run rampant more and more but it is the Lord's hand that holds things together. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 7 down through 12 tell us for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, that's the same thing that happened to Pharaoh back in the day. He kept saying, vacillating, I'm going to let your people go. Moses, I'm going to not let your people go. He kept on and on with that. And so what did the Lord do? The Lord gave him over to his flesh. He gave him over, meaning the Lord gave him over to his desires. And if we keep playing games with God, don't be surprised when he hands, hopefully not none of y'all, but if you unfortunately see someone who he's handed over to their desires because they keep on vacillating. They won't, they won't, lie, they won't draw a line of demarcation and say, I won't cross that line. I'm going to serve the true and living God. I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to honor you with my life all the days of my life. So help me, God. If we don't do that, then we're playing games. I heard it in a message this morning, and it's so true. I believe it, that some of us as Christians, we're not moved by sin anymore. We're not pricked by sin. We don't cry over our sin. We don't cry over the sins of the world. We don't cry over the sin in the church. We just gloss over it and act like it's nothing. You know, that Jesus wept a couple times, it says in the Bible, once was with Uh, The condition of Mary and Martha and the fact that they were mourning over their brother who had died. And the other time was after the Lord was, uh, you know, the triumphal entry. He wept. He wept over the people. Why? Because the people didn't realize who he was. And he was so broken by that. He was so saddened by the fact that they were deceived. They didn't accept him as the Messiah. They didn't repent of their wicked ways. You see, again, it is the Lord who is holding back judgment. He's holding back the ultimate judgment that will fall upon the earth. Up to this point, we're seeing it broken down in pieces because he's desiring that people would turn back to him. He shows patience for the sake of our salvation. You know that, 2 Peter 3, 3 verse 9. God's desires that none perish but all come to repentance in his son, Jesus Christ. But at some point during the end times, God will no longer hold back. There will be no more delay and catastrophes of the great tribulation will happen according to their own natural timeline. You see, God's merciful restriction of evil and loving hindrance of judgment will end one day. This is why today, if you and I hear the Lord's heart, uh, if we hear his voice, do not harden our hearts. We need to act. We need to act. Jesus can't just be loosey-goosey about it and be like, well, maybe next week. Next week may be too late. Today is the day of salvation. Amen? All right, let's look at these verses. We'll start with uh, verse 1. It says, Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. I saw still another angel. Revelation chapter 9 left off with the sounding of the six six of seven trumpets, which ushers in the end of all things. Now, instead of the seventh trumpet, we have another break until Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Now, the application is simply this. These breaks serve as a, uh, serve as a dramatic pur- purpose but they also show mercy in allowing more opportunity for repentance. That's the whole point of these breaks. It is as if God brought things to the brink of utter destruction then pulled back a little to grant mankind more time to repent. Think in terms of your own life. Do you remember a time when you were utterly hopeless? Utterly broken? But then Jesus Christ made himself aware to you. He presented you the opportunity for your life to be transformed forever. You see, he didn't just let you die in your sins. And, 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 and that, that revelation of him uh, showing himself to you through the scripture, through, you know, manifesting himself through something that someone spoke into your life. That was a break. That was a time for you to look back and say, oh, man i need a change i need something to help me and someone and he's the one who did it praise god for that praise god that he gave you that opportunity that he gave me that opportunity for my brokenness to be uh, made new to create me a new creation and make me right with him we see this statement another mighty angel coming down from heaven in the next part of this this passage Many have identified this mighty angel, this messenger, as Jesus because of some of the imagery as applies to him. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 verse 15 also describes Jesus with his countenance like the sun shining in its strength. Yet, that's why we have to understand the word in context. Yet, angels are, are, are never clearly identified with Jesus in the book of Revelation nor in the New Testament though he is clearly associated with the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. It's better off to see this identification with such an angel as Michael, because there are many similarities to this mighty angel and to Michael, the archangel, as he is described in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. I'll read that real quick. And it says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who was charged, who was a charge of your people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And also Daniel chapter 12, verses six and seven. And it says, and someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. That's a clear indication that that is an angelic being. How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and time and a half. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things will be finished now whoever his exact identity clearly this angel has come from the very presence of god and he is great and mighty in authority next we see the statement a rainbow was on his head not only is the rainbow a reminder of god's promise to men mankind but it is also A natural result when the sun shines through a cloud. The application is this. The true light who is Jesus Christ always produces beautiful things. Whenever the light of Jesus Christ shines into the darkness of your life, if you allow it to identify areas of compromise and sin, it has the power to radically change you. Notice it's if you allow it some people don't allow it they don't want it they don't want to be called a sinner they don't want to be said that they're wrong they don't want to be told that they need salvation because it makes them feel bad I mean we've all been there you know but what's the other alternative think you're perfect think you got it together think you don't need help I mean clearly how's that going look at the world All these these people that are priding themselves on philanthropy, what is all that doing? (laughs) Is it really making a dent? Is it really helping the world? I don't think so. We need the power, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to come upon people. We need people to be repented and saved. That's what we need. This mighty angel from heaven with the rainbow around its head also symbolizes the full scope of God's power and control. You see, the rainbow is a symbol of God's love and mercy, his promise to mankind that he would never flood the earth again. It was never meant to represent homosexual people. And that's not a shot at that group. That's just simply calling it what it is the 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 rainbow flag is misrepresented and that's what satan loves to do he loves to distort the truth and pervert it but if we're not aware of what's going on if we're not aware of what the scripture says then we'll say oh it's all good you see i have a um it's a true story i have a i have a cousin that uh uh that lives up in uh portland i do believe in and, and uh you know, she's she's younger. She's like you know high school age or whatever, and and, and she has a, a a rainbow that that you know is on her, uh, you know her rearview mirror. But she's a Christian, and uh, she just likes rainbows. You know, she likes rainbows, and sometimes she catches flack because people try to say, "Hey, you're what you're this," and she you know it's a, but it's an opportunity for witnessing because she tells them, "No, I'm not that." <laughs> not that at all this is what the rainbow means this is what the rainbow means but you see it, it, it's what the world thinks and what the Christian thinks are completely different you know light and darkness we have opposing views of the same thing and it is it was only the power of the Holy Spirit that can come into a person's heart that is hardened and break it down and regenerate a person so that they may see the truth for what it is amen You see, many that are living on earth at this time in the context of the great tribulation, to them, things will seem completely out of control. Remember, many will be seeking death, but it will elude them. Remember those demonic scorpions, that uh, scorpion-like beings that came out from the bottomless pit. For five months, they're stinging and tormenting people, and, and, and humans are, are seeking death, but death is eluding them while others in in our context here this morning they're they're not necessarily being tormented by demons they're being killed by a demonic host but simply by the presence of this mighty angel from heaven it proves that the lord god almighty is in full control and that he is full of mercy and grace if he was not he would have never sent this angel and he would have destroyed this planet in an instant i like using that analogy of of like an iPhone <laughs> when you flick up a tab it's just that quick he could annihilate this place mm-hmm. forget a, a atom bomb or whatever nuclear thing they have I'm talking about the God of all creation he could just pancake this thing and it'd be all over but his desire is repent I love you I love my creation I so desire to have relationship to commune with you even the wickedest of sinners we're all wicked. Even the people that would say, oh, Matt, what? You did what? You killed who? If they would repent, they could be forgiven. Now, are there consequences for their actions? Of course. But their souls could be saved, even if they took another person's life. You see, the, the, the Satan loves to come in and say, you see, you're freaking nasty. You're dirty. You don't deserve nothing. You're scum. And when we're down on our luck as the world would say we start believing those lies and we start identifying with that remember it's so important important excuse me what you and i come into agreement with what are we coming to into agreement with do not come into agreement with the enemy of your soul understand the deception see the schemes and bind it get away from it trust in jesus you see there's no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus but satan will condemn You know that condemning spirit. I know that condemning voice because it comes lurking. Everything's all good. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) don't come into agreement with it. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right. Verses two and three. And it says, he had a little scroll, speaking of the angel, open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. Okay, so he had this little scroll open in his hand. Is this the same little book or a a, a, a same scroll uh, no one except Jesus could open in Revelation chapter 5 verses 1 through 7? I don't know. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not going to act like I know it is or it's not. Um, If one takes the mighty angel to be Jesus, then this very well could be. But John uses different words to describe the scroll of Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 and the little book or scroll written of here. It is probably best to see them as different, yet probably closely related. Oh baby, hope she's okay. The little book is perhaps a short version of the dispensation of all things, the portion that John himself will see and write about. The contents of the little scroll are nowhere revealed in Revelation, but they seem to represent. Uh, they seem to be represented in this version, in the written authority given to the angel to fulfill his mission. And we see this next statement. It says that this angel sets his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. The angel's stance projects his authority over both land and sea. His authority is either direct. If he is the mighty angel, uh, if the mighty angel is Jesus or indirect, if this indeed is an angelic being as a messenger of God. The application is simply this. His stance shows complete authority over the entire earthly situation. God is in control. He is the one who who sits on the throne and, and his servants serve well by him. He had his foot on both land and sea to show that he had the command of each and that his power was universal, all things being under his feet. And that's what we have to take heart in. Though circumstances of the, of the world are seemingly out of control, God is still on the throne. He is still the one who holds all things in his hands and we don't have to be moved by the things of the world going on around us. Amen. When he cried out, speaking of the angel, seven thunders uttered their voices. This relates to the same idea of the thunderous voice of God as described in Psalm 29. Seven times repeating the phrase, the voice of the Lord. And I'll go ahead and read it. Psalm 29 verses 3 down through 9. It says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory, the God of glory The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. You see, (laughs) that's a beautiful picture. Again, showing the all-encompassing glory and power and majesty and might of the Lord God Almighty. He is the one who is in control of every circumstance and every situation. And some people will say, well, how come all this bad stuff happens? Uh, I mean, well, we just have to go back to it because we live in a fallen world, because we were made with free will, because we decided to go astray. And so sin came in and we're all related. We're all related to the first Adam. (laughs) And so we inherited this sin nature. That's why the most beautiful of babies babies. My daughter is so pretty. My goodness, that girl's got a temper. And you can't say she learned it from her mommy or her daddy. It's just not in her blood. It's, 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 in, it's in the bloodline of just humanity. You know, because that's, that's her natural bend, is to be a sinner and to be selfish and to produce fruit of the flesh, which is not good. And that's why we have to point these young children in the direction of where to go. Point them to Jesus so that these, these generational curses can be broken off In their lives, you know, that's a whole other message, but the generational curse thing is so real. Oh man, father's passing it down to the third, fourth, and fifth generation. Man, you better be passing on Jesus Christ to the third and fourth and fifth generation. All of us today. Those generational curses end with us. Don't allow it to move forward in your family. Don't. Don't. That's a whole other message. Remember, the number seven is in relation to completeness or perfection. The seven thunders are ushering in the completion of the Lord's perfect judgments upon this earth. That's what that kind of whole thing is summed up in a brief statement. All right. uh, Verse four. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. All right. He said, I was about to write it down. Don't do it. (laughs) The Apostle John, I give him this. He was good at keeping secrets. (laughs) I got a question for you today. (laughs) How are you (laughs) at keeping secrets? Man, I got a big old mouth. (laughs) It's hard for me to keep secrets. Veronica's always like, man, you told Kalos? It was supposed to be a surprise. I'm like, man, I just was so excited. I couldn't wait. I just had to tell him. He was so excited. And she's like, no, you just messed it up. <laughs> it would have been better if you just kept your mouth shut, man. You see, some of, some of us, we can't keep a secret if our lives depended upon it. <laughs> and the application is simply this. Sometimes you and I are not supposed to speak. We don't always need to be sharing, divulging information to people. Sometimes the Lord will command us to be quiet. You see, the reality is this. We see obedience acted out on the part of John. The Lord told him what to do through this mighty angel, and he did it. And the other side of this, of course, sends some people speculating, running wild. It's just speculation all over the place because oh, yeah. What, what did he say? I told him to be quiet. <laughs> what, what? What did they say to John? Why did they tell him what he? Why did they tell him not to tell us? But you see, as believers, we need to be content with the fact that we just don't know. And sometimes that just irritates people because they need to know. It's like that whole itching ears. They need to know, but you you can't make something pop out of the scripture that's not there. Let the scripture speak for itself, and it will show you what you and I need to know. Amen? That's the reality. And we see this next statement. Do not write them. Do not write it down. If John was not permitted to tell us what they said, why should he even record the incident? One result of this should be to let us know that there are secrets in the prophetic scenario, mysteries that should be uh, keeping our predictions humble. <laughs> we got to just humble ourselves and just be like, I, I, I don't know. You know, the reality is this. The Lord reveals himself in a way where he, how he wants us to know him. And that's it. And we got to be okay with that. You know, and you, you see, that's the thing about us as people, right? We get so, we get so intellectual, <laughs> That we, we, we want to know, we need to know this and that, but yet the simple gospel of Jesus Christ coming to earth as a baby, perfect, sinless, 100% God, 100% man, lived a perfect life, gave his life, laid his life down upon the cross, raised from the dead in three days. Now forgiveness of sin is, is, is offered to all mankind. And then people just balk at it and laugh. So it's like if we can't even deal with that. How, we, how do we think we're supposed to deal with stuff where these are mysteries? These are things that are not to be revealed to us. Let us not act as though it has all been revealed, but let us, let us act upon what has been. Amen? How the Lord has revealed Himself to us. May we respond in a way that is faithful and moves us to action. All right. Uh, verses 5 and 7. It says... So we see that this mighty angel raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives there forever and ever. This mighty angel gave a solemn oath declaring that the end is irrevocably set in motion and that there will not be any more delay. (coughs) Excuse me. At this point, there is absolutely no turning back. You see? Today, we still live in the dispensation of grace, though, as I said earlier, it it seems as it's dwindling more and more as the days go by. Today, there is still time to repent, to be saved. You see, many will not miss out on the opportunity to tell others about the good news, and we shouldn't. But there'll be others where it'll be too late. It will be too late. There is an end, and in that end... There's, We don't have another opportunity. So today, while we have breath, we must do our part. Amen. And if our part is simply receiving the Lord as he reveals himself to us, may we do that. The next thing, thing we see, excuse me, it says the mystery of God will, would be finished. Well, what mystery? One important aspect of this mystery is that it has been declared to his servants and prophets. So in biblical vocabulary, if you will, a mystery isn't something no one knows. A mystery is something no one could know unless it was revealed to him or to her. That's again, this whole idea of revelation. That's, that's the difference between philosophy and revelation of God. Philosophy is man trying to understand the world around him. Revelation is God revealing himself to humanity. I'd rather sigh with re- revelation every, any day. Over philosophy philosophy hasn't got us anywhere if you if you could know it by intuition or personal investigation it isn't a mystery because mysteries must be revealed therefore something can be known and be still a mystery in the biblical sense the mystery of God It's hard to say what this precise mystery of God is because the phrase or its equivalent, if you will, is used for many different aspects of God's plan. The ultimate conversion of Jewish people is called a mystery. We, We see this in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. It says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery brothers a partial hardening has come upon israel until the fullness of the gentiles has come in man praise god for that amen right because if they didn't partially have their hearts hardened what would have happened to us as gentiles unless you're up in here and you got you know uh you're, you're, you're part of the 12 tribes but i mean man that's just wild to think about that how 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 on point is God's plan? He's like, I'm going to allow my people, my chosen people, to have hardened hearts so the rest of this world can be saved. You see, God's purpose for the church is called a mystery. You can read that in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 down through 11. Uh, The bringing in of the fullness of the Gentiles is called a mystery. We just read that in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. The living presence of Jesus in the believer is called the mystery of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 tells us, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Whew. The gospel itself is called the mystery of Christ. Colossians chapter 4 verse 3 tells us, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The application is this. The mystery of God probably refers to the unfolding of his resolution of all things. The finishing of his plans of the ages. This, this righteous judgment that will fall upon the earth. Possibly the mystery also regards the great, the great question, excuse me. Why does God allow Satan and man to rebel and go their own way? The idea may be that this question, this unanswered mystery, is coming at the end, under the rule of Jesus Christ, at the end of time. God is beginning the end, the resolution of all things, gathering together all things in one in Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 tells us. God freely acknowledges that life today is full of mysteries, but it will not always be so. A day will be coming when all questions of this age will be answered right? Isn't that beautiful? That one day you're going to get answers to everything that you're questioning here. You know, the, the Bible talks about every tear that you shed is held in a bottle, and He knows. And so all the things that you're struggling with, why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why, why is this pain happening? Why, why, why do I see the brokenness in my family? Why is there brokenness in people? One day, you just have to keep the faith, amen? You got to trust That the Lord knows best, even though your circumstances are not ideal. None of our circumstances are ideal. And if they are, you're going to go through a storm soon. So don't get too comfortable, you know, because we're only on the mountaintop for a certain amount of time. And then we're back in the valley and then we go back up and go back down. That's sanctification. That's your walk with the Lord. All right. Eight and nine. We're getting through it. We're almost done. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again saying, go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the scroll. (laughs) And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, (laughs) but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Take it and eat it. John was commanded to take the little scroll from the mighty angel and to actually eat it. Because John was invited to take this little book or this scroll. Some take this to say that God never forces his revelation on anyone. And we always must be willing to take what he has offered. Amen to that. (laughs) That we have a choice to either accept the truth that we are sinners who miss the bullseye of God's perfect law and that we need a Savior, or we can reject the fact that we are sinners and go our own way. You see, it is a conscious choice that we make to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. The act of eating represents the understanding and the appropriation of prophetic revelation. The message is sweet because at last the kingdom's promise. Promises are about to be fulfilled. That's what makes it sweet. It is bitter because it can only be accomplished through more judgment and tribulation. Oh man, that's why it's bitter. It's like man, no amount of Tums and Pepto Bismol gonna make your stomach better. The fact is, it's only gonna be accomplished through. The righteous judgment of God and tribulation. What does the Bible say? You will go to see the to get to the gates of of heaven. You're going to go through much trial and tribulation. But take heart, He's overcome the world. That's every believer. That's every believer. I know. In context, we're talking about the great tribulation. But you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, you're only going to get to heaven through much tribulation. So it's like sometimes we can't even be tripping off. Why are these crazy things happening in my life? It's like you're a believer. You trust in Jesus Christ, you have a mark on your back now, and Satan and his demons are trying to come after you because they want to destroy your marriage, they want to wreck your family, they want to render you ineffective because we know as believers in Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit inhabiting your physical body, you cannot be possessed by a demonic being, but you can be demonized. A lot of times we don't realize that. Why is all this happening? Maybe you're being oppressed by some unclean spirit. That's why we have to know you have the authority to bind and cast out these demons. That's actually a sign that follows you as a believer. That's what the scriptures say. That's what the scriptures say. Now, I'm not saying be weird about it, but this stuff is real. (laughs) There's a spirit called infirmity. Infirmity, that's what that lady was going through. She was sick for all those years. Why? Because Jesus said, loose this unclean spirit from this woman and make her healthy. You know? Uh, the demoniac, what was going on with him? Legion was all up in there. Jesus went up in there and binded those spirits in Jesus' name, and they knew. They said, "Don't, don't take us to, don't send us to the abyss," because they knew. And He put them in the pigs, and they went. But a lot of this stuff, you know, we have to really understand that it, it's just it's, it's it's these spiritual principalities that we're wrestling with, because these fallen angels came down to earth and they're running around messing with people because they need to inhabit a body to. To feel like I guess they're accomplishing their purpose and so for us as believers they can inhabit us but they sure can try to stifle us I know there's been plenty of times in my marriage I'm like neither of us did anything wrong but all of a sudden man <laughs> it's your problem what are you serious I didn't do nothing Lord I'm trying I- I- <laughs> when I do this I am like Lord you know <laughs> And I won't say it again, but I said one t- i said it more than one time—that's <laughs> a lie. I said, "Lord, strike me if I did something wrong," because I'm like, man, I'm white. But it's like it's it's that it's that it's that spiritual battle going on, trying to cause funk up in your marriage. Because He knows if I can separate that one flesh, or if I can split you two and get you at odds with one another, you know that's what's happened. That's why the country and the world's messed up because the family's ripped apart, right? So family units gotta stay together. Mommy and daddy gotta work it out. Jesus Christ gotta be that glue. And it'll work out. Sorry, that's a side note, but, anyways, back to the point at hand. The application is this this is actually graphically illustrates, this this graphically illustrates taking in God's word. You see, John's physical reactions demonstrate what every believer's proper response to God's judgment should be sweet anticipation of God's glory and our victory. And at the same time, the bitterness of seeing God's wrath poured out on those who reject his son. Example of this is in Ezekiel chapter 2 and 3. We see that physical Israel refuses the New Testament and its teachings of Jesus Christ. This sweetness is the beautiful message received, but the bitterness is the disappointment when they refuse the message. The bitterness is the terrible judgment. All right, and the last two verses and we're done. It says, and I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. So we see uh, the apostle John. He he took he took uh, this scroll out of the uh, the angel's hands and, and 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 he ate it. Again, we see this reference to Ezekiel chapter three, verses one through three. The prophet was also commanded. Uh, here to eat a scroll, the revelation of God to Israel. This suggests that the feeding of the soul needs to be on the word of God. You see, John could only proclaim the word of God if he had taken it in. And the application for us this morning is this. We need to receive the word of God into the innermost part of our being as a necessary prerequisite to proclaim it with confidence. In other words, without all those big words, you can't give out what you don't take in. We talked about this last week. The Christian life is experiential. You have to experience Christ. That's what communion is all about. That's why when we drink that juice and take that, uh, the, the cracker, it's about don't just drink it and eat it. You need to go before the Lord and just be like, man, Lord, this this is where I'm at. This is what's up. He already knows, right? But He wants us to confess and be right with Him. So then, okay, there can be peace. We can have this communion. And and that's the little symbolism of it. But, But it's experiential. And that's why if we know Him, we know the Word, then we can share Christ because we share Him. We have a relationship. But if it's all just book knowledge if I'm just in this book and it's just in my head and I'm not experiencing Jesus because anybody can recite scripture and rem- memorize scripture when you w- witness nobody want to hear that nobody want to hear how many scriptures you can rattle off people want to know man dude like you love me you actually care about me I see that your life's been transformed and changed and that's what moves people Because Jesus loves people, right? And we can't say we love God if we don't love people. That's what what I've been praying for the longest time. Lord, help me to love people. Help me not to be introverted. Help me to actually engage with people. Because all this is, I mean, it is what it is, but it's, he cares about what we do. Not about all this. This is just, you know, if we don't have a heart in it, it's just for show. It's just for show. And he's going to be like, depart from me. I never knew you, And that's so sad. Any effective communicator of God's word has experienced both the sweetness and the bitterness that is associated with this word. As the worship team comes up, or the worship team, what is a team? We have a a man and woman team, a two people team. (laughs) As Isaiah and Michelle come up, um, I'll give my last point here. You see, because the word of God cuts, it reveals the truth about who we are and it points us to where we need to go. Those who believe the church is raptured after the great tribulation argue that the scroll is bitter because the lot of the faithful is bitterness in the last days. I'm glad I don't subscribe to that thought, but that's just there if, if some, some people want to take that state. Um, again, this last part, he, he, he's telling, that, he's telling uh, John that he must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Now, whatever the content of this scroll is, it is connected to John's command to prophesy to all people. This is not a message just focused to the church. John's prophecy spoke of the fate of the entire world, not just one nation, emperor or empire. For us today, may we take heed to these warnings and may we rest assured that Jesus Christ is in full control over all the affairs of our lives in this world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. As we come before you on this Palm Sunday, we know that, Lord, you're, uh, you're still waiting. You're waiting for, for people to repent, Lord. You're waiting for people to take you seriously, that you came to this earth, that you gave your life so that we could be ransomed, so that we, uh, we would never be able to pay, repay the debt that, that we have on our heads because of the life of sin that we've been born into, but you've given us an out. So Lord, may we take it seriously, may we spread this message to any and everyone in our sphere of influence. May we never back down, may we never be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ and may we truly have a genuine relationship with you, that way we can be filled with your joy and your peace no matter what we encounter in this life. Father, we await your son's return and we thank you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name.